Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. What's up? Not much. I hope it doesn't mess up my sound or whatnot, but I do have air conditioning on today because it's one of those days here. Yeah, I have the windows open, so hopefully no one gets rowdy outside or Billy doesn't drive the motorcycle through the alley right now. I can't hear <laughs> anything on your end, so I think your your audio sounds good. So That's good. Should be fine. Should be good. Um, we are getting into season three and we were discussing this through text message but this season moves very quickly (laughs) much quicker than i remember um it's it's good this is a good episode so um before we get started we are a part of the but why though podcast community so be sure to check them out on twitter at but why though pc and their website at but why though podcast.com we are super proud to be a part of their community this is season two no no it's season, season three episode season two three. damn you it tra- i had it backwards you, you transposed them <laughs> I, I i i noticed it a second ago and it like i i kept staring at it. i'm like wait this isn't episode three and i'm like wait it's not season two either <laughs> god damn it <laughs> i fucked oh. up uh it is ep- no season three episode two purpose in the machine of course, starting off right. <laughs> uh, Whoops. Um, written by DJ Doyle, directed by Kevin Tantron, originally aired October 6th, 2015. I don't think that's right either. Yeah, it is 2015. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely right. <laughs> okay. I, I only know that because one of our two comic connections has a really bizarre, stupid aspects to it the okay the 2015 comes into play i can't wait <laughs> that's funny um so the episode begins in england in i don't know how to say this town gloucester whatever i'm not gonna try england 1839 um and these men are like sitting at this table and they're passing around this bag of stones and everyone's holding a black stone. And then we get to the one guy that has the white stone and we're like, Oh shit, what's going to happen? Um, and they give him all these things and he walks into this door that has this strange symbol on it. And he's locked into, into this room and the monolith is in there and it liquefies and it takes him away. And, um, one of the men is like, oh, does anyone ever come back? And um, one of the guys is like, no one has ever returned, um, which we know that Gemma has been taken by this monolith. So, oh, no, <laughs> that's not good. Um, we go to the playground and um, Daisy's talking about Joey and how she wants him like on their inhuman team. And Mac disagrees. He's like, look, the guy's like you know he's so scared he's so traumatized like he's not ready and daisy's like super like come on we got we have no one yet like we got to get somebody on our team like she's super desperate to like have a team um and they don't get to finish their conversation because hunter and bobby come bursting through the door and apparently fitz has broken into the um the container with the stone if you remember from uh last episode he's very angry and he's like beating on it and so they run down there and they pull him out of the container and they close the door and just as they do that the stone liquefies and Fitz is just like 
I'm sorry. And they're like, you're, you're so stupid. Like you could have been killed. Like we can Colson's like, I can't afford to lose you too. I've already lost Simmons. Like I can't, I can't do this. And Fitz is just like, I can't give up. I can't give up. Like, I'm sorry. I just can't give up. And then he, Bobby goes and starts to talk to him and she's like wiping away his tears. And he notices that he has sand on his hand and he's like, this is not what, what is this? So he realizes the sand is not from Earth because they carbon dated it and it predates Earth by a billion years. So the monolith is a portal of some sort. It's some kind of like wormhole type thing that can transport you through space and time. <laughs> and the entire team is like, we're going to go find Simmons. And Colson's like, what do you need, Fitz? And Fitz goes down the line of all these like scientific tech things he needs. And then he's like, oh, maybe a sandwich. <laughs> Which made me laugh because here we go, the running sandwich joke again. Um, so Bobby is going to help Fitz and Mac and Daisy are going to continue bu building their inhuman team. And then Hunter is going to go after Ward. And um, Bobby says, you know, their their line, um, don't die out there. And then Coulson butts into their conversation is like, make sure he does, Ward does. And it's like, damn, everybody's out for blood and they're going off going all crazy going through a wormhole and like oh my god <laughs> well, and, and i really liked in that moment too it's something that uh they build on a little bit i think throughout the episode but uh when colson and is like t talking about what everyone's gonna do and everyone's going over everything and bobby says she's gonna help fitz colson's like like you haven't already been helping fitz and covering for him and covering for him when he was like in morocco and the previous episode and like, while well, he's been doing all this research, even though everyone else has been trying to get him to, like, move past everything. And I, and I like that it's like they're beginning to have a friendship that I think is, like, sort of naturally makes sense uh, being born out of her being stuck in the lab. And I, yeah. I, 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 dig, I dig it because they're one of the only pairs, I think, last season, uh, once all the new cast members are introduced, other than uh, our least favorite new guy, <laughs> other than Suit Money. Uh, he's like, they're the only pair that didn't really develop any sort of rapport really like specifically. Mm -hmm. And now I like that. Like it, it, it feels like it's really organic and it connects to like her comics history as a scientist. So I, 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 I really dig it. I do too. And I, I don't know if it's this episode or the next one, but we really see like their closeness and like her rehabbing her knee and stuff too. And yeah, like he talks kinda... about the benefits of rehab. I think that's the next episode, which I don't think if that spoils it for anyone, I'm really sorry, but it's not I a don't... plot point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She is injured. She's rehabbing her knee and he's like talking her through it. And it's just like, there's just so many connections that they have now. Like, um, I mean, before, like, they didn't really have a ton in common. Like, she's, like, this super agent, and he's, like, this, you know, the lab guy. But And, and, they and have when this... they first met, he was, like, the broken lab guy. Yeah. He, wasn't, he wasn't even the lab guy. Yeah. Um, and not only he he had the brain injury, but he was also just very, like, angry about it and not, you know, just not handling it well. And it's, it's just really cool, cute. I just, I really like this relationship because Bobby's just, like, really – she can be really warm and tender, and I I just love how her her and Fitz interact, and so I'm I'm glad that we're getting this. So I agree, hundred percent. Well, I just like that, it, like it shows that it's 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 a difference, you know. It's part of what makes Bobby her her own character, you know. In the comics, she's a literal super soldier, and this 
she's basically like the same skill set as May or Black Widow, but she's also her own character and has her own nuances and skill sets and abilities. And uh, it's just it's cool to see one of those super spies or super soldiers who's also a science geek, but who doesn't like it, not because they're not interested in biology because they went to school for it or whatever, but because they want to go out and kick ass because they have a taste for it yeah. <laughs> and they're good at it. You know, like yeah. I, it's neat. It is neat. And she just has this level of empathy, I think, that is really like, it's really warming me up to her character. It's funny, when I was watching this, Billy walked in, and obviously Billy has already seen this, but he was like, oh, I miss I miss them. And he's like, he started talking about Bobby and Hunter's relationship and how like that, like if they hadn't had that and they had just put Bobby and Hunter on the team without that relationship, like he doesn't think that he would have warmed up to Bobby's character as much because you just don't see uh like the non-super spy like super competent side of her but I disagree I was like no because like you said like this relationship just shows like a different side of her and it's like yeah she can be like the the nerdy scientist and the super spy but she's also just like a good friend and one of her first appearances I I think uh last season she's wearing a Star Wars t-shirt yeah (laughs) there's like there's lots of little little bits here and there but but uh, I think are really cool that they they do use to develop and differentiate the characters and give them nuance. Like even though it's a pretty big cast, they're they're juggling, and you know this friendship is just really is really great. Like like it's something that uh, is a highlight of this of both. I think these this episode and the next and the yeah. the, the the fourth the third for the season. <laughs> We're so confused. <laughs> We're confused by numbers today. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We can explore that a little bit maybe next episode. No, because yeah. th- this episode is, is I think, rel- relevant. Like, also, I feel like Bobby gets Fitz's desperation to find Simmons because I feel like if Hunter were in the same situation, like, she would have gone to those lengths. And obviously, like, she just literally got shot in the chest for Hunter to, like, save him. <laughs> so, like... I feel like on that level too, she's like, I understand like what, what he needs right now and he's not going to give up. So I'm not going to tell him to do that. Like I'm going to support him in this because he can figure it out. Like Fitz is super smart and he did figure it out. So that's, I don't know. Well, and you mentioned the empathy thing. Like it's uh, the, right, my last, like, I mean, it's on, t- it's, it's <laughs> usually on topic for yeah, our digressions, yeah. considering it's not about some other random pop culture or political thing. Uh, but no, I was just thinking that it's also something that I, I think, you know, from the very beginning of our introduction to Bobby, it, like at least in the background, uh, and then eventually pretty, pretty, pretty quickly in the foreground is her relationship and friendship with Mac. And I think that's, mm. you know, like we've talked a lot about how, that is his strength throughout and only, you know, not real spoilers, but it only increases as his role in the show continues. Like he's just a super empathetic character and the fact that they are like really great friends and that they both like try to empathize with people and understand people and, and help people. Like it, it's really nice that, that that's one of the through lines. Like that's maybe why this scientist slash field agent and this mechanic became friends like just because yeah. of things like that yeah oh god this show does such a good job of like relationships and making it, people complex i love it it does i think that's why it's as good as it is i agree and i feel like that there's a big 
big reason why it is so good is because Mo is is one of the showrunners, and they have they continually have um, people that get relationships, and women are in particular are very good at like understanding relationships. I think so. It's important to have them as writers and directors and things like that. Um, I agree. All right, so let's continue from our digression, even though that was relevant. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Coulson and Bobby are actually going to go see, um, I didn't remember this was this guy's name cause I always called him professor Asgard, but the <laughs> professor, <laughs> professor Randolph, um, so he's the Asgardian from season one. Yes. A long he's time ago. P he's Peter McNichol, who I love, yeah. uh, first as a kid, like, even though he was like a bad guy in Ghostbusters too, like he yeah. was like a, he was like a pervy, like sexual predator dude <laughs> before he becomes like a weird Renfield to the evil painting demon. <laughs> like, so. But he, uh, he's was always one of my favorite characters in Ally McBeal, which yeah. I watched when I was in high school because I lived with my parents <laughs> and they yeah. had it on, but I loved his character in that. Like he was really funny. And before I was diagnosed with OCD, I was like, stuff about this guy i really like this character who was like like one of his it was, it was it's funny because the show monk was about that and like like that started like just a few months before i got my diagnosis and i was oh watching an episode of that and I'm like this show's really great and then i got my diagnosis and i'm like oh my god like like, like, like i've liked all these things all these <laughs> movies and tv shows where the main characters have ocd i'm like okay that i guess that makes sense <laughs> relating to something maybe i don't know <laughs> but he he's uh he's very good in this and i feel like in this one in this episode he's more likable than in the past one just because He's more of like an ally or whatever. In the last one, he was like an unknown quantity. But yeah. in this, in this one, we know where he's coming from and, and whatnot. Exactly, exactly. Um, so anyway, they go to see him, and he, it turns out he's in prison <laughs> he's in Norway because he had some drunken escapade that landed him in prison. I mean, he doesn't want to help them, and uh, the reason he gives is like, look, it's not a good idea to be like – an alien on earth right now because of Sokovia and all these things that are going on. Um, so I'm just going to stay here in prison. Norwegian prison system is great. <laughs> and um, Coulson essentially threatens him and is like, look, like I saved your life and I can send all these tax forces after you and tell them you're Asgardian. I bet they would love to dissect you. And he's like, dude, you've changed. And he has Coulson's beer. I mean, He's cutthroat. Like he he wants to find Gemma as much as Fitz now. I think that he knows that there's a chance. And ooh. anyway, so uh Professor Asgard rips off the door to his cell and he just leaves with them and they <laughs> and they just go about their business. Um next scene is Ward is God, I hate Ward. He's driving this sports car in the warehouse and there's like a guy on the hood and then his like right hand man is sitting in the passenger seat and he's having this monologue about something blah 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 very ward like and how you have to prove yourself and basically the scene is like ward is building up hydra and he's torturing this guy on this car so he like breaks really hard and the guy flies off the hood of the car and um he asks him where's the kid so he's looking for this kid and being annoying <sighs> this is like the worst side of ward <laughs> no it is it's just like a it's like a little it everything about it's just stupid and <laughs> yeah no I, it's like super stereotypical like evil henchman uh spy whatever situation and i don't know i just hate it um 
So uh, Andrew shows up the base, shows up at the base, and Daisy's trying to butter him up. She's like, "Do you want some food? Are you thirsty?" And he's like, "I'm not gonna approve any of your people faster just because you're trying to butter me up." And she's like, "Oh, I wasn't doing that." And of course, he's a psychologist, and so he sees right through that. Um, but uh, he's going; he's there to analyze Joey. So hopefully, this works out. Spoiler alert: it doesn't. <laughs> um we find and and i and she asks him about may um and he's like i'm not gonna tell you about that and we find out that may is in arizona and she's at the driving range with her father who's in a walker well yeah she's in sun city arizona which is where my grandparents retired to yeah uh it's specifically retirement community yeah it's like south of um south of phoenix right uh yeah well it's it's in the phoenix metro area and whatnot yeah and there's even a second because there's so many retired people there there's a second retirement community city and it's not like a retirement community like a retirement home like it's a city that is only for senior citizens and there's one there's sun city west as well there's two of them (laughs) and uh yeah and unless you live with a, a person who is over i think I think it's over 55 it might be 60 it's either 60 or, or 55 but uh you, you you are allowed to live there if you are living with someone and we find out this episode that uh uh may's dad has been in an accident and she's staying with him while yeah. he's recovering so yeah. that's why may is while she is almost old enough now <laughs> to live there she's not uh, at the time and yeah. even now it's still not old enough to so yeah oh my god that's hilarious i didn't even think about that but isn't she like 51 or something she's 55 she is 55 oh man yeah. if it's that young then she could do now i have to look it up while while we continue i'm pretty sure she's 55 um i think you're right that's so that's so weird she's oh. she's amazing she looks amazing. 55 doesn't seem that old to me to be in a retirement center though like that doesn't seem old enough but i don't know i, I guess i don't know whatever I get. People, I mean, it is older. People like to. Uh, <laughs> people, people want to retire, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I understand why you would want to retire, but I mean, I want to retire, and I'm. Well, in yeah, they years, used. They used to be able to. Yeah, that's know? true. Unfortunately, that true. now we cannot ever. We probably won't retire, Jared. We're gonna work <laughs> until we die. We're gonna be podcasting until we die. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, so we find out that she went to Maui with Andrew, which is very sexy. And I don't know. Her dad is just really funny. Who is that actor that plays her dad? Because I really like him. He's in a lot of things. I believe his name is James Hong. Yeah, he's in a and lot of things. Is like an he, old old Asian man. <laughs> he is like, like in the eighties. He was in everything. Yeah, he was in like every single movie that had an elderly Asian man. He played, <laughs> and he was he wasn't that old then. Like, but I mean, he he was probably in his sixties or whatever, or late fifties. Yeah. But but he was playing like ninety year old men then with like yeah. you know, like gray Fu Manchu wigs and whatnot. But now. He's he's just he's the the go to guy. Off the top of my head, I remember uh, he was in uh, he's in Chinatown, like the classic movie. Yeah, he's in Big Trouble in Little China. I remember he's the he's Tia Carrera's dad in Wayne's World Two. Oh my god! And my fa- <laughs> one of my favorite roles of his he's uh he is the dad in Kung Fu Panda, who's who is a stork. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize he was the voice of guy in Kung Fu. Yeah, he's he he's Poe's uh, <laughs> noodle making dad. Oh my god, that's like he is the Asian dad. Like, 
Oh, that's uh, hilarious. On, uh, on how did this get made? They end up bringing him up in one movie that he's in because they're watching some movie from the eighties. And Jason Manzukis is talking, and he's he, he's the guy who's in his forties and is single and has never been married, never had kids. And he brings up Kung Fu Panda, and then the couple who are the other podcast hosts who have little kids are like, <laughs> "We've never seen Kung Fu Panda." And his reaction is so amazing; he just bursts out laughing, goes, <laughs> "We're gonna have to talk about that." Like oh he's so God. he's like offended that they haven't seen Kung Fu Panda, and it's so funny because like I sort of get it because it's a great movie. Like, it is. I, I was nannying when it came out, so I kind of and I like animation, so I feel like odds are I was gonna see it anyway. <laughs> but like I would never, I would never be surprised that anyone hadn't seen it. Like, yeah. I don't feel like it's ubiquitous. Like it's not like The Godfather or Star Wars. Or You're not like, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but his reaction, it, it felt very genuine, but it was so so funny. But uh, no, James Hong is. Uh, he made me really happy. To see him in this, yeah. uh, this episode in in, in Sun City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and he's just like such a perfect like juxtaposition to May's mother. He's like very different from the well, like. He even mentions not being yeah. a spy, right? Yeah, he's not a spy, but he was with her mother for twenty years, and so he understands her. And he's like, "You're just like your mother." And she May is just like exasperated with him, but she can't like do anything about it because she's. Like, it's her dad and it's hilarious <laughs> it's like it does it feels like she's like has this restrained frustration just like oh, yeah. just just existing there she's like emoji face flat mouth flat eyes like <laughs> just like just holding back um so we go to um, back to the base and Professor Asgard is checking out the monolith and he's like, all right, so I don't know what to tell you. I don't think this is anything. And then it turns into liquid and he's like, oh, how often does it do that? And Fitz is like, it seems to be random. He's like, no, it's not. It's not random. And Fitz talks about how they have checked it against tides, against vibration everything on earth and he's like um you haven't connected it to anything on another planet have you and then bobby shows him the parchment and he's like yes i've seen this before and colson's like yeah it's hebrew like i'm sure all of us have seen it before and he's like no i've seen it in a castle in england in the 14th century <laughs> and so he's, he's, he goes to the plane and he starts walking out the door and he turns around and no one is moving and he's like wait am i allowed to say that and colson's like yeah it's, let's go to the plane that's fine <laughs> so uh i looked it up it is it is 55 for sun city and sun city west and the other restriction is the people who live with them you have to be at least 19. Like you can't be like, like literally like a child. That No children can live there. And uh, I get it, it though. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I think it's, it's absolutely hilarious. I also like that their ownership. There are no restrictions. A 17 year old could own the deed to one of those houses, but they couldn't live there, <laughs> which is <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, oh my God. That's some old people like, badass like stubborn logic stuff but uh yeah and i also confirmed you are correct about uh, i was correct about 55 and you are correct about ming na so she could live there now 
which is insane. It's super weird. Really weird. Could not um, have when this when this episode was shot. No, no, she was a little too young. Just by a couple of years, though. <laughs> I mean, she could have lived there by by herself. She could have yeah. lived there with James Hong as as we established. As her dad. Yeah. <laughs> or just as a friend. Also true. <laughs> she could have could have hung out with James Hong. Oh my god. Um, I'd, I'd watch that sitcom where Ming Na is, is just his his roommate. <laughs> like some that is the best idea for an odd couple remake. And then the last one wasn't bad. <laughs> this is like it's a good odd couple. Oh my god! But Ming Na as May, Melinda May, because Ming Na can do like comedy pretty well, like as as herself. You know, she she'd be a good straight man to yeah, James Hong because he he could be very wacky and stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so we go to Ibiza, Spain, and Ward is there, and they're looking for this kid on a yacht, and the guy, his henchman guy, swims to the yacht and lets a bunch of rats loose, and so everybody runs away, and Ward shows up, and he kills everybody or whatever, and then he gets to the kid, and he's like, he says this line, he's like, oh, good thing I'm an exterminator. (laughs) It's so stupid. (laughs) It's not good. It's not good. But I'm glad they gave it to Ward because we already hate him anyway. So it's it's not helping him anymore. anymore. <laughs> or it's, it's not weird. hurting anyone else. It's like we talked about how when he was very first introduced in season one, it's almost like he's uh, you know a version of James Bond. And it's like at this point, it's like now he is, but it's like just he's like, I don't know, the James Bond from the – shitty james bond jr cartoon show yeah. or, like, or it's just like a parody or something it's like it, rowan atkinson doing james bond it totally johnny feels, english yeah it totally feels like a parody but it like it but he's so hateable that it kind of works i don't know i don't understand why this works but it does Ugh. oh it does it, it it does because like i don't know we don't have to like him <laughs> so yeah. it just works yeah um so we go to england and professor asgard is like walking them through this castle and he's reminiscing about he was here for a costume party and he wandered off somewhere and he found this room and um they find the carving it's like above the door frame and he's like i just thought it was really odd it's like this hebrew carving and in 14th century england he's like it just felt really out of place um and it means uh, someone mentioned, I can't remember who they're like, oh, it just means death. Right. And he's like, well, the translation is sometimes said to be death by punishment. And they find another carving above another doorway. And Colson's like, yeah, this is <laughs> I'm so glad that they addressed this. But he's like, yeah, this is why we took the shield logos off of all the cars because <laughs> it's like announcing yourself here and bobby goes yeah we still have a giant eagle on our plane and colson's like well can't win them all or whatever he says but i was like i've been talking about this since like episode two or episode three of season one like okay just announce your presence and i just love that they finally address it shows although aware although they do that I'll bring up something new, but I'll bring this up next uh, episode. <laughs> okay, okay. I can't wait. <laughs> um, anyway, so Colson pushes on the door and a secret door opens. And so they go into this passageway. Um, we go back to the base and Andrew, of course, thinks Joey is not ready, but maybe in time he's like, dude is like not handling it well. And um, 
um all the he's like all these people have the potential to be monsters we have to be careful and um andrew mentions to daisy like how desperate colson is to get a win right now and so and so that desperation is like where you know it's rubbing off on everybody like he's off running off to england to like try to find simmons and you know he even sent hunter like on a revenge mission and now he's like daisy's like pushing him to find people for this team and um andrew also mentions that he thinks daisy is becoming a leader and um she talks about how you know she wants inhumans to feel like they have a place to belong and um andrew's like that sounds like a halfway house and she's like no that's what my mother had she's like what i want is for people to know that being different means that you can still make a difference. And oh, she's just blossoming into this really great character. Not that she wasn't already, but I just love her. <laughs> yeah, she's becoming more more developed as time goes on. And a lot yeah. of the, I mean, I think all, all of them do to a certain extent, you know, and they have ups and downs and speed ups and whatnot, slowdowns. But uh, no, I think that she's absolutely continuing to develop into an even even better character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we go to back to Arizona, Sun City, Arizona, and May is chopping vegetables very um, uh, vigorously, <laughs> and she's cooking for her dad. And he asks her if she's in hiding, and she's just kind of ignoring him. And she's like, "Whatever." And then um, he's like, "Look, um, when I was downsizing, I found something." So he brings out this box, and it's like all of her old ice skating stuff, like photos and and trophies and things like that. And um, they have this metaphor of like, you know, she fell quite a bit and she still got back up and she's like, well, it hurt when I fell. So that's why I switched to martial arts because there's padded floors. <laughs> and then um, May sees like sees a shadow outside and she's like are you expecting company and he's like no and she goes to the door with a knife and it's hunter and she has like a knife to hunter's throat she's like why are you here um and her dad is like standing off to the side watching all this and the camera goes to him and he says something in mandarin and just like he's like oh god and he's so exasperated like because i'm sure he's used to dealing with all this spy shit with her mother and he's just so over it he's like you guys are crazy he's like answering the door with knives what are you doing <laughs> It was such an Asian dad moment. I loved it. Um, we go back to England and they find this like weird bunker thing in this castle and it's full of like 1800s technology and it feels very Frankenstein. And um, they start turning things on, which I was like, I feel like this is a bad idea. I feel like they should check things out first, but they just start flipping switches and turning things on and this hole in the floor opens and they start talking about how this room seems like it was designed to control the monolith and the hole is like the perfect size for the monolith and so colson calls mac and he's like can you bring the monolith over <laughs> um and so daisy and um, mac show up with the monolith and um she she's Daisy's talking to Coulson and she mentions that Andrew said Coulson was desperate. <laughs> and he gets a little bit annoyed and offended. He's like, wait, he really said that? I was just, I, I love their dynamic. Um, so Fitz turns the machine on and we totally get Frankenstein and vibes like, like flickering lights and there's all these like electrical noises and things and the monolith is activated and Daisy starts getting this headache because apparently the vibration or something is bothering her and um, the, the, the monolith liquefies and has this like rippling surface and so Fitz shoots a flare into it. And Daisy's like shaking everything and she starts to get a bloody nose and she collapses and passes out. Um, and Coulson 
starts waking her up. He's trying to wake her up and he's calling her Sky and she wakes up and she's like, it's Daisy. And he's like, oh, sorry, I keep doing that. Um, and she mentions, she mentions, she mentions this pulsing sound. She's like, did you guys not hear that? Like it was like, it was everywhere. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, and, and Fitz and Mac are talking and Fitz is like desperate to fix this. He's like, this room controls the monolith. Like we're going to fix it. We're going to find her. And Mac is like, dude, we don't even know how this thing works. Like slow down turbo. And Fitz is on a mission. So gonna do this um we go to spain or wherever ward is and he's torturing this kid which why and the kid is like just like okay and like his his henchman guy is like like just like insulting him and beating him and the kid starts to fight back he like stabs him with a pen he starts beating him with something he's like do you know who i am um and ward walks in he's drinking like a soda out of a like typical villain drink it reminded me of captain marvel when um uh talos walks in with like the milkshake and he's like like drinking out of the straw like that's what that scene reminded me of but um so he walks in and he's like um you're von you're the son of von strucker so he's Werner werner i can never say this werner von strucker and he this kid is uh spencer treat clark and ward has this whole speech about how he just wanted to see like what he would do and he wants him to earn his respect he's like you don't, you're not just born with it um and he's essentially trying to mold him into like a baby ward which is really gross and so they have this moment of understanding and ugh. <laughs> ugh. it is very very gross yeah um and it was funny because i looked up this actor the kid actor and he was in gladiator he was the son of gladiator and I was like, why does this kid oh look so familiar? Oh, God, that's insane. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> I just remembered him from his later appearances. Uh, spoilers, he keeps appearing uh, off and on for a while. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But yeah, I, he always looked familiar to me. And I was like, why do I? This, he has a very, like, very um, distinctive face. And I was like, why do I recognize? Like, why does this kid look like somebody? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, he was the the son in Gladiator. Um. So we go back to Arizona and Hunter is trying to figure out um, why May went AWOL and um, she doesn't answer him. <laughs> she just doesn't give him an answer. And he wants her to help him kill Ward. And this is where we find out that her father was in a car accident and they just never found the driver. And so Hunter is kind of suggesting that like someone's after her family. And so that's why she's staying. She's like trying to protect her father. And so May's like, I'm not interested. And um, Hunter leaves a packet of information with her just in case she changes her mind. Um, and May's dad suggests, you know, maybe you're here because it didn't work out with Andrew and you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, look, I just wanted to see if I could have a normal life. And they go back to this ice skating metaphor. And um, he's like, you know, my daughter would always get back up. And um, she's like, look, I was a kid. It didn't hurt as much back then. And there's, oh, I just have so many Asian dad feels in this scene. <laughs> just like... He's like wise, like, I don't know, affection without being like physically affectionate type of thing. And I don't know. It's just I feel this deep. <laughs> well, and when we did our James Hong digression, it's like you, like you said, like he played the Asian dad in so many things. And it's like he's he I, I, I didn't check and see his bio to see if he does have kids, but I'm guessing he does. And if yeah. not, he's 
been in the industry for so long and been so like huge like in the asian american uh, acting com- community like you have to think he he is a, a literally an asian dad figure to a lot of people in the yeah. industry like it, it makes sense that he's in this role and that he's nailing it like, like perfectly yeah absolutely i mean ming na has been around for a long time too so it's oh, like yeah. these two actors in the same room together is really special i think um i totally agree and it like it 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 all the scenes that they share this episode, like it's, we, we talked about before uh, we recorded just that, that these were some, a good set of episodes that we just watched uh, for, for this session of recording, like this, this episode and, and the next. And like, I think they elevated a lot of it. Like, it's just, they're, they're so good. Like even, even an award heavy episode, <laughs> even one where he gets his own whole subplot nowadays. Uh. It's still, it's still like, one of my favorites i think this season or, or just in a little while just because because these scenes with them are so strong yeah i agree i definitely agree i mean there's also another plot that's going through this that's very like dramatic too which makes it a really good episode oh, which, we're gonna get, <laughs> which we're absolutely. gonna get back to right now <laughs> so we go back to england and fitz has figured out you know the reason why daisy was being so bothered by um by the noise is that there's like some type of harmonic oscillation theory going on here and they figure out that Daisy can control it. She can control opening the monolith. She just has to tap into the right frequency. And so she's like, okay, let's do this. I can do this. And Colson's like, okay, if anything happens, you pull out right away. Like think of yourself first. Like don't try to be the hero. She's like, okay, I got this. And so they have a probe they're going to send in. And so she and then, oh, I, um, Professor Asgard doesn't know that Daisy is inhuman. So he's like, I don't understand what's happening. What is she going to do? And then she starts vibrating everything. And he's just staring at her like, what the fuck? And so she opens the monolith. Um, it liquefies and they send the probe in. And then Fitz jumps through. And I totally forgot that he did that. And I screamed. When I, said <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I was like, no, what the fuck? So he jumps through and he's hooked up to it like the the wire. And he's calling for Gemma and she he hears her calling back Fitz and they find each other and they grab hands. There's like this windstorm going on. So like struggling to hold on to each other's hand and they Daisy starts losing control. She can't hold it anymore. So they have to pull him back. So they pull him back and there's like this big explosion of dirt in the castle and the monolith is destroyed it's dust now and we look in the pit and Fitz emerges from this pile of dust and Gemma does too and it's just like holy shit I didn't I completely forgot that they rescue her this early on yes (laughs) this is the thing I wanted to talk to you about when I was like I I, I can't wait to talk about these episodes because this shit like I knew this happened but I, I just forgot it was this early in the season yeah because like i think it is either the episode after the next or one after that was the first one i watched since the first season and i was like this is amazing like this is so good and so then i went back and watched all of this season while i was watching the other stuff like on I think uh, it was on Netflix, I believe already, mm-hmm. but I had to like, I had to download some of these, this season's early episodes by other means in order to, <laughs> in order to watch them at the time. And when it's all easily accessible, like you had like two episodes back or something on Hulu, mm-hmm. but uh, no, I remember just watching these and like in my, we've talked before, like I have a pretty good recollection of this show, but compared to other shows, like, 
other shows I've watched, like at least rewatched, usually at least once or, or more that I, mm. that I really enjoy. But on, on a lot of Shield, I've only seen the one time. Same. So I, I think we both have very good recollections of what happens. Yeah. We have very, very poor recollections of the pacing. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Shit happens exactly. Like our general timelines are okay. But yeah. like exactly when shit happens is not great. <laughs> well, but I think I think the reason for that is because like we're used we are like conditioned to feel like that this is a really climactic moment and should be pushed back a little bit later in the season. And but this is it happens so early. So it's like we're remembering this like really like powerful thing that happened. But it's like, of course, that couldn't have happened that early on because like all of the, you know, conventional storytelling tropes that we're used to seeing in television and books and movies like that. It wouldn't happen that soon. You know what I mean? So I think that's why we're like expecting it to happen later. I think absolutely. So many shows when they're asked, like when they're told. Uh, you got to stretch out your deal or whatever. Well, like Lost, I know they always say that the second, I think, in third season, they were just making up as they went because it filled fill up yeah. space because they had a plan for three seasons and they're like, oh, you just has to go at least six seasons because this show is the biggest premiere we've had in so long. ABC is mm-hmm. like, we own this. Like, like we'll get other people to do it if you don't want to do it. So they, so they like panicked and they ended up getting so turned around and confused they didn't even like have a complete story by the end yeah. <laughs> and then we're just like, oh, oh, oh. Like, like it was it didn't work out well for them but i feel like when shield got the go ahead to like you're gonna get a a, a good healthy lifespan to the point where they got a second we got an extra season they got a, they got a final season thrown on mm-hmm. like uh without without this one even having started yet you know it's like pretty rad like, like the the vote of confidence they've earned and i think they have earned it but to start they just had the momentum of the mcu and, and where yeah. it was and they still i think had a, like a lot of assurance that they were they were they were very safe and so i think that because maybe they knew they were going to get a third season and because they knew they were going to get a fourth season and whatnot pretty early on or at least had a confidence that they had like this attitude of why wait to tell the story like we're just going to do something cool next season we don't need to stretch out one season's worth of stories over four seasons we're just going to do something cool and new and like reinvent the wheel a little bit and they really really embraced that to the point where by you know, the last couple of seasons, they don't just do it. They usually do. They usually do it at least twice, if not three times a season. Yeah. They, 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 they kind of rechange everything to some extent and it's That's to their true. benefit. And, and it was the same thing last season. I remember uh, it's funny because it's about Jim. Uh, it's, it's Gemma's episode. I remember after we watched the episode that introduces Bobby, that, that it was Gemma. I think that's, that's like the third episode back, I think, or maybe the second one. And I remember you were like, I did not think this happened this early in the season. Yeah. And I, maybe it was the third one back because we'd already seen her. Uh, at Hydra. Briefly. Like yeah. a glimpse of her at Hydra. But yeah, yeah it, like it's just nuts how quickly they, they jump on stuff that other shows would leave hanging. And like not, it's not always a, to a detriment. Like sometimes like I think of another sh- of a spy show like Alias – like that, they would have taken all season to do most of his yeah. stuff, but it would have it would have felt effective. It would have been different, but it also was just a different show. Like, yeah. like I, I I love the way they do this, and and it does. It feels very different, and it does. I think a lot of it is a lot of our misremembering is because it's counterintuitive because of because it is not not typical. Yeah, absolutely. I love it though because like we have these super big moments. 
And then you want to see the fallout. You want to see what, like, because now I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, Gemma's probably fucked up. Like, <laughs> what's going to happen now? Like, how is she going to handle this? I mean, <laughs> we find out. But anyway, let's finish up the episode and then we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, so uh, Professor Asgard asks Coulson, he's like, what <laughs> is Daisy? And Coulson tells him that she's inhuman. He's like, I haven't heard that in a really long time. So he's familiar with the Inhumans. And he has this very weird look on his face. And I can't remember if he comes back in this season. but I don't either. I think he might. But I'm not 100% sure. I'll look yeah. that up later, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or we can just be surprised. It's <laughs> also good. Okay. And then um, Andrew calls May. And um, tells her the good news about Simmons and she hangs up and um, she's with Hunter and she tells Hunter and he's like, dude, let's celebrate. Yeah. He's like, Fitz, yeah, you're a genius. He's like, let's get some beers. It's really cute. Like how like Hunter is Fitz's biggest fan sometimes. I just adore it. So she um, is going after Ward with Hunter and they're going to pretend to be arms dealers <laughs> to get into Hydra somehow because they have to go through all these back channels. So um, and then we go to the base and Gemma uh, wakes up from a nightmare and she has like a weapon in her hand and um, Fitz is sitting on the floor next to her bed asleep and she gets out of bed and goes and lays on his leg and she's very obviously not okay and so we're gonna we're gonna see the fallout from this really dramatic moment of her being rescued from another time and place um she's not doing so well in the very end scene andrew's back on campus in west virginia and uh verna ron strucker finds him and he's like oh my family's so fucked up <laughs> like just has this line and oh great now now what are they doing and that's the episode Oh my God. Um, do you want to talk about comic stuff? Sure. It's like, like one of them is I think kind of interesting. It's a, uh, I think you're right. We were trying to figure out who said it. Cause we couldn't remember. Uh, I think, I think it's Andrew mentions that Daisy's team. She, he refers to it obliquely as, you know, your secret warriors, which the way he even says it is sort of like, I'm dropping something. Yeah. And, uh, the original team of Secret Warriors included Daisy and was a comic written by the guy who's taking over the X-Men franchise right now, Jonathan Hickman. And uh, you know, it is, it, most of them by far aren't. And at the time, Daisy was not inhuman. <laughs> so uh, it's interesting that it is at this point uh in in 2015 being referred to as a team of inhumans. Right. Uh, because... Two years later, in 2017, there would be a Secret Warriors comic book about a team called the Warriors that is a S.H.I.E.L.D.-sanctioned team of Inhumans led by Daisy. Uh, so it's like the show was making a reference to something else and eventually actually uh, uh, <laughs> actually made it happen. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. It is and, interesting. Uh, yeah, I think on... I think in the comics, uh, should do should, should we go ahead? Is it, is it cool to go into spoilers now? Yeah, let's let's do spoilers. Spoiler section time. Well, because in the show, <laughs> uh, Yo Yo is is a and uh, is an inhuman, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in the comics, she's not. Oh, interesting. So, well, yeah, because like all of them, you know, she she she's not. Uh, her her dad is also a a character like. Uh, 
Mr. Hyde, who was a scientist who experimented on himself. Only she was a dude. Oh no, no, not a scientist. Oh, he was he was a, he was just a, a mook, I believe. He was like a thug who was experimented on, like like in some sort of crazy original like like old school silver age story but he became a villain uh who was called he, uh the griffin i believe but he was let me look this up real quick but he is a yeah the griffin that's right and he was literally just a griffin he was a giant red scaly lion eagle thing like winged monster man and his name is johnny horton <laughs> small time okay. criminal small time criminal kidnapped uh, experimented on and brainwashed by the secret empire turned into the Griffin. So, but here's the thing. He didn't have any powers or anything until he was transformed, which means that Yo-Yo's mom in Puerto Rico in the comics had a relationship with a giant Griffin man, which I'm just saying <laughs> that's, that's progressive. That's a progressive very, lady. Very progressive. <laughs> because yeah, in the show, She's uh, South American, right? She's not. She's not she's, Puerto Rican. I think she's Colombian. Yeah, I believe because yeah. because uh, Natalia is because the 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 actor. Uh, so that is funny. <laughs> it's it's different. That is funny, Griffin Man. God, comics are weird. <laughs> Well, I think yeah. Even she's even credited as having a different creator. I'm reading right here. It's all yeah. It's all very silly. Uh, <laughs> but so so yeah. That's a very big difference. But she was one of the original Secret Warriors as well. Interesting. Uh, in the non-inhuman <laughs> version of it, and the actual inhuman version of it uh, first appeared in Secret Warriors Volume Two, Number One, in July of 2017. Uh, they officially formed in issue five of the same series in October of 2017 and then disbanded when the series was canceled <laughs> in, in issue 11 in February of 2018, which, uh, again, because of the way they're uh, cover dated is actually the very end of mm -hmm. 2017, so it didn't last. No, not very uh, long. It, it double shipped, it appeared, because it, it came in early. Uh, it, still, it still came in early 2017. Oh, no, no. Uh, yeah, and, and ended before the end of seven, 2017. So uh, apparently, it, it, it shipped several several times a month for a little while, and it, it was very well drawn and I think well written. I, I didn't uh, read all of it; I, I read a little bit of it, and I don't know. Apparently, it couldn't find an audience, even with the Shield connections, and uh, <laughs> which bad. I'm not trying to make fun of Shield too bad. <laughs> but uh, the original series had a planned run. Uh, Jonathan Hickman has a, always writes comics that way, and it went from April 2009 until September 2011, and it ended uh, as it was as it intended with like 20 something issues. Okay. Our, our other comics connection is a direct connection, and one that is, uh, I mean, pretty much what it is. Werner von Strucker. <laughs> uh, he's he's uh, exists in the the comics. He only has 13 appearances. He's not been around much. He first appeared in Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., Volume 3, Number 1, in September of 1989, and he died in Daredevil, Number 309, in October of 1992. So, again, <laughs> short-lived character. He spent most of his appearances in that S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, run, uh, and he also appeared a couple times in Daredevil, and Punisher, and in Nomad. I think he was in a crossover. 
that I I think I got that crossover as it was coming out when I was a kid because I loved uh, Nomad. And yeah. I think my brothers got Daredevil and yeah, yeah, and uh, Punisher. It was called Dead Man's Hand. And <laughs> Nomad was a character who literally he was one of the one of the replacement Buckies, which I believe I've talked oh a little bit about in <laughs> yeah. the Winter Soldier episode. So uh, I'll, I'll do a very very quick aside. He was a replacement Bucky. And he was so similar to the Winter Soldier that when they brought Bucky back from the dead and made him the Winter Soldier, one of the first things he did while still brainwashed by the Russians was murder this character and put him in the back of a trunk. Oh and it's because it's like, well, he's already the same thing. Yeah, well, he yeah, was yeah. a brainwashed former Bucky who like had like been an assassin and now isn't and had long hair and was a hero and was like, like a, played by his own rules. Like He was basically Winter Soldier. Like somebody just decided, I want to start over, but have him just sort of refresh and just just barely look like uh, Desperado, like the uh, what do you call it, or or Renegade, the yeah, the, yeah. the uh, Lorenzo Lamas TV show, because that's that's what he looked like in the old in the old comic book. Uh, Nomad wore sunglasses and a trench coat, and he had a big gold belt with a giant N for Nomad on it, <laughs> and. I I feel like you've talked about him before in our conversation. I, be- I believe so. Definitely ringing a bell. <laughs> well, it's just so weird. But uh, but yeah, he had a big crossover uh, with uh, Daredevil and Punisher. It ended with the death of Werner von Strucker, who uh, was not exactly the same character as this dude, but had a little bit in common because they were both the descendants of von Strucker's, uh, the Hydra dudes. And in this one, he was trying to gain favor for his uh, dad. And I believe in the past when we brought up Von Strucker, I brought up the uh, Von Strucker twins, the Fenris twins, which are sort of involved in the the X-Men show, uh, The Gifted. It was on Fox for the last couple of years before it ended. And uh, he's he's their half-brother because they share Wolfgang Von Strucker (laughs) as a dad. Andrea and Andreas are their brothers and brother and sister. And uh, ste- his stepmother is uh, Elspeth von Strucker. We don't know. We don't know his mother. Unrevealed. <laughs> so there you go. That's our, that's the lowdown. Uh, I like. I just kept thinking, like, like you recognizing him as the kid from Gladiator is pretty awesome. I just uh, was thinking of him as the, in the most recent seasons. I, I I recognized him, but I had to look up who he was because I was like, I know he's from something. Because it was like, what's that. her character's name? The girl he falls for. Oh, I don't even remember. But who ends up getting the superpowers and whatnot? Like, they want to give her the graviton powers. Oh, um, shit gets weird. I think the actress um, actress name is Ruby something. I think right. No, that's her character's name is Ruby. Oh, that's her character. Okay. Yeah, I think her. Name I is... know she. Oh, I don't remember her name. I was say she's a Disney Channel person. I know. Yeah. Because while watching a Ducktales marathon, I kept seeing commercials <laughs> for her Disney Channel movie, oh The God. Descendants, <laughs> which has a guy who's in like uh the oh man why I can't think of his name off the top of my head but I I first saw him. He played uh, Danny on Thirty Rock, and he ended up he ended up being in a bunch of uh, the seasons of American Horror Story. Oh but God. he's he th- this guy who is like 
this very flamboyant dude and like was like he's really good and everything i've seen him in is in all these uh trailers for this disney channel the <laughs> made for tv movie it just those things are amazing <laughs> like, like, i haven't seen one since i was a kid but they look like they're exactly just like, just exactly, like how they used to be yeah like the same budgets the same everything but Dude. maybe have better people now maybe like, yeah. oh, they didn't have bad people before like i think sometimes they had really good people like every once in a while but it was just i think that for a long time they were exclusively really for that audience they were just like yeah. all little, little kids <laughs> i remember um xenon was like my favorite <laughs> like that was one of my favorite disney like tis, disney channel movies ever i remember that one there were what two or three of them <laughs> I believe so, and like they, they, they always—I uh, do believe they were supposed to, but they reminded me of like the uh, the Buck Rogers and like the yeah, twenty-fifth century or whatever. Yeah, it was very entertaining though. Um, but yeah, jeez, Werner von Strucker. Yeah, the, the, like um, man, maybe when this episode posts, I'll have to post the picture of him because like the comic book version of him just like looks like like a fucking Hitler youth. Like he's just like this like broad-chinned, blonde, blue-eyed dude with a flat top and a gray oh, suit. God. Like, he looks so messed up. And, like, the kid who it is is so much more likable looking with his, yeah. like, Justin Bieber haircut or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's just like, like, like oh, he just looks like you could knock him over. He's like, yeah. he's just like a nerd or whatever. Like, he looks well, I, maybe that's the point, because Ward, he's, like, this soft boy that, like, has been pampered his whole life, and Ward's trying to turn him into Nazi youth, essentially. <laughs> Sounds about right. Gross. Sounds like Ward. Right? Gross. So gross. Um, I want to talk about May and Andrew real quick because they went to Hawaii together. Yes. And Andrew calls her to like update her on the stuff for the team. It seems like pretty uh pretty regularly. And so obviously like they have kind of rekindled their relationship, but we don't we find out next episode what happens. Um, but I just every scene watching Andrew talk about Inhumans or talk to May at all just made me so sad because I know what he is. <laughs> I know that he's Lash. And I don't, well, we'll get this answer later in the season, but do you remember if he actually, like, at, when he is in his human form, if he knows, like, what he's doing? Or is it one of those things where he, like, blacks out and he doesn't remember? I can't remember. It, I, I vaguely think that he does know and that's why he's not recommending any of the inhumans. That's how I feel. If it's not that, then it's just that he, his other self has like subconscious knowledge of it, maybe. Yeah. But I mean, does he like actively like hate Daisy then? You know, because he like, see, like he's, he's like one of those seek and destroy, like. Well, but, but I can't remember if this one has the same component. I remember uh, I did mention it when I talked about him in our last episode. Uh, one of the, his things is like judging them worthy or not. And like he kills the ones that aren't worthy. So, so maybe worthy? she is, which I mean, that's plausible. She's pretty badass, you know, like, I don't know. <sighs> she just have awesome powers. You know what I mean? Like, like but he she's also like a good person. Yeah, and has empathy for humans. So maybe it's like he's he she he he has to wait and see what she's gonna be like. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh yeah. because you did mention Andrew again, uh and that, that last scene with him and Strucker uh is at Culver University, which is uh where 
the sh- the Hulk movie takes place, the one that's oh. in the MCU, and it's also where they reference uh, other people, um, like Jane Foster and and her friend, uh, what's Selvig, like look, these other yeah, characters yeah. attended there as well. So it's another like little connection to everything in the Marvel funny. universe. I think maybe in the comics it's like in New Mexico and not in Virginia. But they have campuses <laughs> in Willowdale, Virginia, and. In- unidentified west virginia in the mcu yeah there we go cool that's a deep dive um i don't have anything else got anything else yeah no i think like we covered this one and i think like just this is a good one and uh, like i really do think it's elevated by the performances in the two in the main plot and the second i guess one or one of the two b plots i feel like they do kind of have the same uh, sort of weight because they dove into one another, you know, like, yeah. like May's plot is about her being recruited to take down Ward to yeah, some extent. Yeah. It's, it's also where she's been, yeah. which it, it benefits because that was one of the big questions with the way the last one ended, you know, even the way they present the last time on, you know, bit. Yeah. It's like, it's like, where is May? Cause you know, talk about May went on vacation, never came back. I know. It's like and- May's golfing in Arizona. <laughs> Yeah, and like not enjoying yourself. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but no, it was a it was a really good one, and yeah, I don't really have any thoughts other than that. I'm proud of ourselves for having on topic digressions for the most right? part. We only had one talking about xenon. <laughs> it's still, I feel it's still relevant. <laughs> it is totally relevant. Um, I I wanted to talk about Gemma, but I think we should wait until next episode because that's when we get a little bit more into her kind of PTSD from coming back. And yeah, it's such a it's such a, just a, a hint of it with the way she can't sleep and the way she puts her head on on Fitz's yeah. leg. It's, it's so it's also heartbreaking for sure. But God. well done. Everybody's relationship is heartbreaking in this season. Me and Andrew, Hunter and Bobby, Fitz and Gemma. Um, I'll leave out uh, Daisy and Soup Money because <laughs> I don't like him. <laughs> on that note, where can people find you on the internet? If you want to uh, get like just DuckTales information, you can follow me at uh, I Snow Nothing. Uh, on Twitter. And you can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find the podcast at Project Tahiti. You can send us an email at Project Tahiti at Project Tahiti pod at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Play. Play. Um, you can, if you're a web listener, you can go on Podbean or you can go at whythopodcast.com and listen to us there. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye.